Book ten of the Autobiography of Goethe, Volume two, from My Life, Poetry and Truth, translated by John Oxenford, Section three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume two, by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford. 1812-1877. Book 10. From My Life. Poetry and Truth. How far I must have been behindhand in modern literature may be gathered from the mode of life which I led at Frankfurt, and from the studies to which I had devoted myself. Nor could my residence in Strasbourg have furthered me in this respect. Now Herder came, and together with his great knowledge brought many other aids, and the later publications besides among these he announced to us the vicar of wakefield as an excellent work with the german translation of which he would make us acquainted by reading it aloud to us himself his method of reading was quite peculiar whoever has heard him preach will be able to form a notion of it he delivered everything this romance included in a serious and simple style perfectly removed from all dramatically imitative representation he even avoided that variety which is not only permitted but even required in an epical delivery a slight change of tone when different persons speak by which what every one says is brought into relief and the actor is distinguished from the narrator without being monotonous herder let everything go on in the same tone just as if nothing was present before him but all was merely historical as if the shadows of this poetic creation did not act livingly before him but only glided gently by yet this manner of delivery from his mouth had an infinite charm for as he felt all most deeply and knew how to estimate the variety of such a work so the whole merit of a production appeared purely and the more clearly as one was not disturbed by details sharply spoken out nor interrupted in the feeling which the whole was meant to produce a protestant country clergyman is perhaps the most beautiful subject for a modern idyll he appears like melchizedek as priest and king in one person to the most innocent situation which can be imagined on earth to that of a husbandman he is for the most part united by similarity of occupation as well as by equality in family relationships he is a father a master of a family an agriculturist and thus perfectly a member of the community on this pure beautiful earthly foundation rests his higher calling to him is it given to guide men through life to take care of their spiritual education to bless them at all the leading epochs of their existence to instruct to strengthen to console them and if consolation is not sufficient for the present to call up and guarantee the hope of a happier future imagine such a man with pure human sentiments strong enough not to deviate from them under any circumstances and by this already elevated above the multitude of whom one cannot expect purity and firmness give him the learning necessary for his office as well as a cheerful equable activity 
which is even passionate, as it neglects no moment to do good, and you will have him well endowed. But at the same time, add the necessary limitation, so that he must not only pause in a small circle, but may also perchance pass over to a smaller. Grant him good nature, placability, resolution, and everything else praiseworthy that springs from a decided character, and over all this a cheerful spirit of compliance, and a smiling toleration of his own failings and those of others. Then you will have put together pretty well the image of our excellent Wakefield. The delineation of this character on his course of life, through joys and sorrows, the ever-increasing interest of the story, by the combination of the entirely natural with the strange and the singular, make this novel one of the best which has ever been written. Besides this, it has the great advantage that it is quite moral, nay, in a pure sense, Christian, represents the reward of a good will and perseverance in the right, strengthens an unconditional confidence in God, and attests the final triumph of good over evil and all this without a trace of cant or pedantry. The author was preserved from both of these by an elevation of mind that shows itself throughout in the form of irony, by which this little work must appear to us as wise as it is amiable. The author, Dr. Goldsmith, has without question great insight into the moral world, into its strength and its infirmities but at the same time he can thankfully acknowledge that he is an Englishman, and reckon highly the advantages which his country and his nation afford him. The family, with the delineation of which he occupies himself, stands upon one of the last steps of citizen comfort, and yet comes in contact with the highest. Its narrow circle, which becomes still more contracted, touches upon the great world through the natural and civil course of things. This little skiff floats on the agitated waves of English life, and in weal or woe it has to expect injury or help from the vast fleet which sails around it. I may suppose that my readers know this work, and have it in memory. Whoever hears it named for the first time here, as well as he who is induced to read it again, will thank me. For the former, I would merely make the cursory remark that the vicar's wife is of that good, busy sort, who allows herself and her own to want for nothing, but who is also somewhat vain of herself and her own. There are two daughters, Olivia, handsome and more devoted to the external, and Sophia, charming and more given to the internal nor will I omit to mention an industrious son, Moses, who is somewhat blunt and emulous of his father. If Herder could be accused of any fault in his reading aloud, it was impatience. He did not wait until the hearer had heard and comprehended a certain part of the progress, so as to be able to feel and think correctly about it. Hurrying on, he would see their effect at once, and yet he was displeased even with this when it manifested itself. He blamed the excess of feeling which overflowed from me more and more at every step. I felt like a man, like a young man. Everything was living, true, and present before me. 
he considering only the intrinsic contents and form saw clearly indeed that i was overpowered by the subject matter and this he would not allow then peglow's reflections which were not of the most refined were still worse received but he was especially angry at our want of keenness in not seeing beforehand the contrasts of which the author often makes use and in suffering ourselves to be moved and carried away by them without remarking the oft-returning artifice he would not pardon us for not seeing at once or at least suspecting at the very beginning where Burchell is on the point of discovering himself by passing over in his narration from the third to the first person that he himself is the lord of whom he is speaking and when finally we rejoiced like children at the discovery and the transformation of the poor needy wanderer into a rich powerful lord he immediately recalled the passage which according to the author's plan we had overlooked and read us a powerful lecture on our stupidity it will be seen from this that he regarded the work merely as a production of art and required the same of us who were yet wandering in that state where it is very allowable to let works of art affect us like productions of nature i did not suffer myself to be at all perplexed by herder's invectives for young people have the happiness or unhappiness that when once anything has produced an effect on them this effect must be wrought out within themselves from which much good as well as much mischief arises the above work had left with me a great impression for which i could not account but properly speaking i felt myself in harmony with that ironical tone of mind which elevates itself above every object above fortune and misfortune good and evil death and life and thus attains to the possession of a truly poetical world i could not indeed become conscious of this until later it was enough that it gave me much to do at the moment but i could by no means have expected to be so soon transposed from this fictitious world into a similar real one my fellow boarder wayland who enlivened his quiet laborious life by visiting from time to time his friends and relations in the country for he was a native of alsace did me many services on my little excursions by introducing me to different localities and families sometimes in person sometimes by recommendations he had often spoken to me about a country clergyman who lived near drusenheim six leagues from strasbourg in possession of a good benefice with an intelligent wife and a pair of amiable daughters the hospitality and agreeableness of this family were always highly extolled it scarcely needed so much to draw thither a young knight who had already accustomed himself to spend all his leisure days and hours on horseback and in the open air we decided therefore upon this trip and my friend had to promise that on introducing me he would say neither good nor ill of me but would treat me with general indifference and would allow me to make my appearance clad if not meanly yet somewhat poorly and negligently he consented to this and promised himself some sport from it it is a pardonable whim in men of consequence to place their exterior advantages in concealment now and then so as to allow their own internal human nature to operate with the greater purity for this reason 
the incognito of princes and the adventures resulting therefrom are always highly pleasing these appear disguised divinities who can reckon at double its value all the good offices shown to them as individuals and are in such a position that they can either make light of the disagreeable or avoid it that jupiter should be well pleased in his incognito with philemon and baucis and henry the fourth with his peasants after a hunting party is quite conformable to nature and we like it well but that a young man without importance or name should take it into his head to derive some pleasure from an incognito might be construed by many as an unpardonable piece of arrogance yet since the question here is not of such views and actions so far as they are praiseworthy or blamable but so far as they can manifest themselves and actually occur we will on this occasion for the sake of our own amusement pardon the youngster his self-conceit and the more so as i must here allege that from youth upwards a love for disguising myself had been excited in me even by my stern father this time too partly by some cast-off clothes of my own partly by some borrowed garments and by the manner of combing my hair i had if not disfigured myself yet at least decked myself out so oddly that my friend could not help laughing on the way especially as i knew how to imitate perfectly the bearing and gestures of such figures when they sit on horseback and which are called latin riders the fine road the most splendid weather and the neighbourhood of the rhine put us in the best humour at drusenheim we stopped a moment he to make himself spruce and i to rehearse my part out of which i was afraid i should now and then fall the country here has the characteristics of all the open level alsace we rode on a pleasant footpath over the meadows soon reached sesenheim left our horses at the tavern and walked leisurely towards the parsonage do not be put out said wayland showing me the house from a distance because it looks like an old miserable farmhouse it is so much the younger inside we stepped into the courtyard the whole pleased me well for it had exactly that which is called picturesque and which had so magically interested me in dutch art the effect which time produces on all human work was strongly perceptible house barn and stable were just at that point of dilapidation where indecisive and doubtful between preserving and rebuilding one often neglects the one without being able to accomplish the other as in the village so in the courtyard all was quiet and deserted we found the father a little man wrapped up within himself but friendly notwithstanding quite alone for the family were in the fields he bade us welcome and offered us some refreshment which we declined my friend hurried away to look after the ladies and i remained alone with our host you are perhaps surprised said he to find me so miserably quartered in a wealthy village and with a lucrative benefice but he continued this proceeds from irresolution long since it has been promised me by the parish and even by those in higher places that the house shall be rebuilt many plans have been already drawn examined and altered none of them altogether rejected and none carried into execution this has lasted so many years that i scarcely know how to command my impatience i made him an answer such as i thought likely to cherish his hopes and to encourage him to pursue the affair more vigorously 
upon this he proceeded to describe familiarly the personages on whom such matters depended and although he was no great delineator of character i could nevertheless easily comprehend how the whole business must have been delayed the confidential tone of the man was something peculiar he talked to me as if he had known me for ten years while there was nothing in his look from which i could have suspected that he was directing any attention to me at last my friend came in with the mother she seemed to look at me with quite different eyes her countenance was regular and the expression of it intelligent she must have been beautiful in her youth her figure was tall and spare but not more so than became her years and when seen from behind she had yet quite a youthful and pleasing appearance the elder daughter then came bouncing in briskly she inquired after frederica just as both the others had also done the father assured them that he had not seen her since all three had gone out together the daughter again went out at the door to look for her sister the mother brought us some refreshment and wayland with the old couple continued the conversation which referred to nothing but known persons and circumstances as indeed it is usually the case when acquaintances meet after some length of time that they make inquiries and mutually give each other information about the members of a large circle i listened and now learned how much i had to promise myself from this circle the elder daughter again came hastily back into the room uneasy at not having found her sister they were anxious about her and blamed her for this or that bad habit only the father said very composedly let her alone she has already come back at this instant she really entered the door and then truly a most charming star arose in this rural heaven both daughters still wore nothing but german as they used to call it and this almost obsolete national costume became frederica particularly well a short white full skirt with a furbelow not so long but that the neatest little feet were visible up to the ankle a tight white bodice and a black taffeta apron thus she stood on the boundary between country girl and city girl slender and light she tripped along as if she had nothing to carry and her neck seemed almost too delicate for the large fair braids on her elegant little head from cheerful blue eyes she looked very plainly round and her pretty turned-up nose peered as freely into the air as if there could be no care in the world her straw hat hung on her arm and thus at the first glance i had the delight of seeing her and acknowledging her at once in all her grace and loveliness i now began to act my character with moderation half ashamed to play a joke on such good people whom i had time enough to observe for the girls continued the previous conversation and that with passion and some display of temper all the neighbours and connections were again brought forward and there seemed to my imagination such a swarm of uncles and aunts relations cousins comers goers gossips and guests that i thought myself lodged in the liveliest world possible all the members of the family had spoken some words with me the mother looked at me every time she came in or went out but frederica first entered into conversation with me and as i took up and glanced through some music that was lying around she asked me if i played also when i answered in the affirmative she requested me to perform something but the father would not allow this for he maintained that it was proper to serve the guest first with some piece of music or a song 
she played several things with some readiness in the style which one usually hears in the country and on a harpsichord too that the schoolmaster should have tuned long since if he had only had time she was now to sing a song also a certain tender melancholy affair but she did not succeed in it she rose up and said smiling or with that touch of serene joy which ever reposed on her countenance if i sing badly i cannot lay the blame on the harpsichord or the schoolmaster but let us go out of doors then you shall hear my alsatian and swiss songs they sound much better during supper a notion which had already struck me occupied me to such a degree that i became meditative and silent although the liveliness of the elder sister and the gracefulness of the younger shook me often enough out of my contemplations my astonishment at finding myself so actually in the wakefield family was beyond all expression the father indeed could not be compared with that excellent man but where will you find his like on the other hand all the dignity which is peculiar to that husband here appeared in the wife one could not see her without at the same time reverencing and fearing her in her were remarked the fruits of a good education her demeanour was quiet easy cheerful and inviting if the elder daughter had not the celebrated beauty of olivia yet she was well made lively and rather impetuous she everywhere showed herself active and lent a helping hand to her mother in all things to put frederica in the place of primrose's sophia was not difficult for little is said of the latter it is only taken for granted that she is amiable and this girl was amiable indeed now as the same occupation and the same situation wherever they may occur produce similar if not the same effects so here too many things were talked about many things happened which had already taken place in the wakefield family but when at last a younger son long announced and impatiently expected by the father at last sprang into the room and boldly sat himself down by us taking but little notice of the guests i could scarcely help exclaiming moses are you here too the conversation at table extended my insight into this country and family circle since the discourse was about various droll incidents which had happened now here now there frederica who sat by me thence took occasion to describe to me different localities which it was worth while to visit as one little story always calls forth another i was able to mingle so much the better in the conversation and to relate similar incidents and as besides this a good country wine was by no means spared i stood in danger of slipping out of my character for which reason my more prudent friend took advantage of the beautiful moonlight and proposed a walk which was approved at once he gave his arm to the elder i to the younger and thus we went through the wide field paying more attention to the heavens above us than to the earth which lost itself in extension around us there was however nothing of moonshine in frederica's discourse by the clearness with which she spoke she turned night into day and there was nothing in it which would have indicated or excited any feeling except that her expressions related more than hitherto to me since she represented to me her own situation as well as the neighbourhood and her acquaintances just as far as i should be acquainted with them for she hoped she added i would make no exception and would visit them again 
as all strangers had willingly done who had once stopped with them it was very pleasant to me to listen silently to the description which she gave of the little world in which she moved and of the persons whom she particularly valued she thereby imparted to me a clear and at the same time such an amiable idea of her situation that it had a very strange effect on me for i felt at once a deep regret that i had not lived with her sooner and at the same time a truly painful envious feeling towards all who had hitherto had the good fortune to surround her i at once watched closely as if i had a right to do so all her descriptions of men whether they appeared under the names of neighbours cousins or gossips and my conjectures inclined now this way now that but how could i have discovered anything in my complete ignorance of all the circumstances she at last became more and more talkative and i more and more silent it was so pleasant to listen to her and as i heard only her voice while the form of her countenance as well as the rest of the world floated dimly in the twilight it seemed to me as if i could see into her heart which i could not but find very pure since it unbosomed itself to me in such unembarrassed loquacity when my companion retired with me into the guest-chamber which was prepared for us he at once with self-complacency broke out into pleasant jesting and took great credit to himself for having surprised me so much with the similarity to the primrose family i chimed in with him by showing myself thankful truly cried he the story is quite complete this family may very well be compared to that and the gentleman in disguise here may assume the honour of passing for mr burchell moreover since scoundrels are not so necessary in common life as in novels i will for this time undertake the role of the nephew and behave myself better than he did however i immediately changed this conversation pleasant as it might be to me and asked him before all things on his conscience if he had not really betrayed me he answered me no and i could believe him they had rather inquired said he after the merry table companion who boarded at the same house with him in strasbourg and of whom they had been told all sorts of preposterous stuff i now went to other questions had she ever been in love was she now in love was she engaged he replied to all in the negative in truth replied i such a cheerfulness by nature is inconceivable to me had she loved and lost and again recovered herself or had she been betrothed in both these cases i could account for it thus we chatted together far into the night and i was awake again at the dawn my desire to see her once more seemed unconquerable but while i dressed myself i was horrified at the accursed wardrobe i had so wantonly selected the further i advanced in putting on my clothes the meaner i seemed in my own eyes for everything had been calculated for just this effect my hair i might perchance have set to rights but when at last i forced myself into the borrowed worn-out grey coat and the short sleeves gave me the most absurd appearance i fell the more decidedly into despair as i could see myself only piecemeal in a little looking-glass since one part always looked more ridiculous than the other during this toilet my friend awoke and with the satisfaction of a good conscience and in the feeling of pleasurable hope for the day looked out at me from the quilted silk coverlet 
i had for a long time already envied him his fine clothes as they hung over the chair and had he been of my size i would have carried them off before his eyes changed my dress outside and hurrying into the garden left my cursed husk for him he would have had good humour enough to put himself into my clothes and the tale would have found a merry ending early in the morning but that was not now to be thought of no more was any other feasible accommodation to appear again before frederica in the figure in which my friend could give me out as a laborious and accomplished but poor student of theology before frederica who the evening before had spoken so friendly to my disguised self that was altogether impossible there i stood vexed and thoughtful and summoned all my power of invention but it deserted me but now when he comfortably stretched out after fixing his eyes upon me for a while all at once burst out with a loud laugh and exclaimed no it is true you do look most cursedly i replied impetuously and i know what i will do good-bye and make my excuses are you mad cried he springing out of bed and trying to detain me but i was already out of the door down the stairs out of the house and yard off to the tavern in an instant my horse was saddled and i hurried away in mad vexation galloping towards drusenheim then through that place and still further on as i now thought myself in safety i rode more slowly and now first felt how infinitely against my will i was going away but i resigned myself to my fate made present to my mind the promenade of yesterday evening with the greatest calmness and cherished the secret hope of seeing her soon again but this quiet feeling soon changed itself again into impatience and i now determined to ride rapidly into the city change my dress take a good fresh horse since then as my passion made me believe i could at all events return before dinner or as was more probable to the dessert or towards evening and beg my forgiveness end of book ten part three